Greenwood was a district in Tulsa, Oklahoma, organized by Booker T. Washington's 1905 tour of Arkansas Indian Territory of Oklahoma. It was the namesake of Greenwood District that Washington had established his own demonstration in Tuskegee, Alabama five years prior. Greenwood became so prosperous it became known as, quote unquote, the Negro Wall Street, modernly known as Black Wall Street. Black-owned businesses flourished as the community grew. In 1921, Oklahoma was racially charged even though the Civil War had ended in 1865. It was still fresh in people's minds, and a rise in the Ku Klux Klan started due to the 1916 movie Birth of a Nation. Tulsa was a booming oil city with many affluent, educated black men and women, which aggravated many white people at the time. The territory of northern Oklahoma was rich in a resettlement of Native Americans. Other areas had many settlers from the South whose families were slaveholders. Oklahoma had only been admitted as a state in 1907 and the new legislature passed segregation laws commonly referred to as the Jim Crow laws. Though they were not as strict in those segregation laws due to concerns that Teddy Roosevelt would veto their state documents, Oklahoma was still segregated. Its rail travel was restricted, Voter registrations effectively disenfranchised most black individuals, barring them from serving on juries or local offices. Veterans from World War I returned home from war. Social tensions and anti-black sentiment increased in cities where job competition was high. At the end of World War I, black veterans pushed to have their civil rights enforced, believing they had full citizenship by serving in the military. In what became known as the Red Summer of 1919, industrial cities across the Midwest experienced severe race riots where white communities and local authorities attacked black communities. On May 31, 1921, it is alleged that about 4 p.m., 19-year-old Dick Rowland, a local shoe shiner, entered the Drexel building to use the only restroom black individuals were permitted to use. He entered the elevator where 17-year-old Sarah Page was the operator. A clothing clerk, in the building had heard a woman scream and saw a young black man rush from the building. The clerk found Paige in what he said was a distraught state. Thinking she was assaulted, he summoned authorities. Word got around that Dick Rowland had been arrested for the assault of Sarah Page and was lynched in the courthouse. The black community had surrounded the courthouse, armed, demanding answers. A gathering of angry white locals had also gathered around the courthouse at this point. It's not known who fired the first shot, but around 12 people were killed, 10 white and two black. As news spread, mob violence exploded and white rioters raged through the neighborhood that night, killing men, burning and looting stores and homes. Only around noon the next day did the Oklahoma National Guard troops manage to get control of the situation by declaring martial law. Aside from the street fights that had erupted the day before, continuing into the 1st of June, fires were set on black homes and businesses. As the Tulsa Fire Department came to put out the raging fires, they were turned away at gunpoint. Three hours into the riot, two dozen black-owned businesses were burned down. By daybreak, a train whistle sounded, and many rioters took this as a sign to launch an all-out assault on Greenwood. Overwhelmed by the sheer number of white rioters, many black families fled Tulsa. Numerous eyewitness accounts documented in a 2015 interview with several survivors described airplanes carrying white assailants who fired and dropped firebombs on buildings, homes, and fleeing families. Later, police stated the planes were to provide reconnaissance and protect against a Negro uprising. 
A dozen or so planes circled the neighborhood dropping burning turpentine balls on an office building, a hotel, a filing station, and many other buildings. Men also fired at young and old black residents, gunning them down in the street. By the end of the riot that started Memorial Day weekend, more than 35 square blocks were destroyed, 800 plus people were admitted to hospitals, and as many as 6,000 black residents entered at larger facilities for several days. 36 people had died. Halfway across the country, 50 years later, MOVE was developed. MOVE was a black liberation group founded in 1972 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania by John Africa and Donald Glassie. They were a communal setting in West Philly, abiding by philosophies of anarcho-privatism, an anarchist critique of the origins and progress of civilization. According to this belief, the shift from hunter-gatherer to agricultural subsistence gave rise to social stratification, coercion, alienation, and overpopulation. MOVE advocated the return to non-civilized ways of life through deindustrialization, abolition of the division of labor, and the abandonment of large-scale organization technologies. MOVE combined revolutionary ideologies similar to those of Black Panthers with work for animal rights. They were known for two major conflicts with the Philly Police Department. One, in 1978, a standoff resulted in the death of one police officer, injuring several others, and another in 1985, when the police department bombed the compound. John Africa, the head of MOVE, chose the group's name, and it's not an acronym. Members wore their hair in dreadlocks to follow community guidelines and the Rossifarian movement at the time. They lived a radical form of life in a form of green politics and a return to hunter-gatherer society while opposing science, medicine, and technologies. They lived with a strong fusion of black power and flower power. MOVE was known for demonstrating against puppy mills, zoos, circuses, and any form of animal enslavement. MOVE also protested Three Mile Island, industrial pollution, police brutality, and how slavery never ended, it just became disguised. In a response to a series of complaints by neighbors, police under Mayor Frank Rizzo obtained a court order demanding MOVE members to evacuate. They agreed to vacate and surrender their weapons if police released several of their members who had been imprisoned in the city's prisons. However, MOVE did not comply with the agreement as their fellow members were never released. A year later, police came to a standoff with members who had not vacated. When police entered the house, shooting erupted. Philly Police Department officer James J. Ramp was killed by a shot to the back of the neck while facing the house. The MOVE members argued he died of friendly fire. As he was shot from behind, it must have been friendly fire. Prosecutors charged Sims, Africa, and eight other members responsible for his death. The nine members charged with third-degree murder for Ramp's death became known as the MOVE Nine and were given a maximum of 100 years in prison. Their names were Chuck, Delbert, Eddie, Janet, Janine, Merle, Michael, Phil, and Debbie Africa. In 1988, at the age of 47, Merle died in prison. Seven of the surviving nine members became eligible for parole in 2008, but were denied. Seven years later, in 2015, at the age of 59, Phil died in prison as well. In 2018, Debbie was released on parole and reunited with her 39-year-old son who she gave birth to a month after being imprisoned. As of 2019, 
Five others were released, and on February 7, 2020, Sims was released after spending 41 years in prison. Almost 10 years later, after the first standoff, in 1981, Move relocated to another row house. Neighbors complained of trash around the building for years, confrontations with neighbors, bullhorn announcements, and obscene political messages. Police obtained arrest warrants in 1985, charging four MOVE occupants with crimes including parole violations, contempt of court, illegal possession of firearms, and terrorist threats. Mayor Wilson Good declared MOVE a terrorist organization and police evacuated residents of the area from the neighborhood prior to their action. They were told they could return to their homes after a 24-hour period. In May 1985, nearly 500 police officers with city manager Leo Brooks arrived in force and attempted to clear the building and execute arrest warrants. Other houses were evacuated, water and electricity were shut off to the MOVE compound to force members out. After the commissioner addressed MOVE members to abide by American laws, police forcibly removed 13 members, eight adults, five children, forcing them to kneel in front of the compound. A fully armed standoff resulted in lobbed tear gas at the buildings and over 10,000 rounds of ammunition before the commissioner ordered the compound be bombed from a police helicopter. MOVE members fired back with semi-automatics and automatic weapons. Lieutenant Frank Powell proceeded to drop two one-pound bombs. The resulting explosions ignited a fire from the fuel for a gas generator, killing 11 people in the house. John Africa, five adults, and five children ages 7 to 13. The fire spread and eventually destroyed 65 nearby houses, and although firefighters had earlier drenched the buildings prior to the bombing, when they went to put out the fire, they feared MOVE would fire upon them, so they stayed back. Good testified he ordered the fire be put out after the bunker burned, but the fire commissioner testified he never got that order. Another MOVE member, Romana Africa, one of the two survivors, said the police fired at those trying to escape. After the fire had settled, people were arrested and the bodies counted. The police action was strongly condemned. Survivors later filed a civil suit against the city and police department and were awarded $1.5 million in a 1996 settlement. Other residents displaced by the destruction of the bombing filed a civil suit against the city and in 2005 were awarded $12.83 million in damages.